We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go episode 678 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Monday, October 16th, 2023, and for the first time since 2018, the NFL team of Washington, D.C. is three and three, or better, six games into a regular season. Three and three, as we all know, is 500. It is mediocre. It is nothing special. And yet our team had not been three and three or better six games into a regular season since 2018. And now we have arrived back at the three and three or better level. Three and three now is the mark. A 24-16 win at the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Was the win a work of art. (laughs) Uh, No, it was not. Uh, The Commanders won this game despite having just 193 total net yards of offense to the Falcons' 402. The Commanders got more than doubled up by the Falcons in terms of total net yards of offense, and yet the Commanders won the game. Funny what can happen when you win a turnover battle, 3 nothing. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. A win is a win, and the Commanders got the win. Uh, the Commanders' three-game losing streak over. Uh, the mantra <laughs> that head coach Rod Rivera debuted last week, do your job. Uh, the Commanders now 1-0 and oh since the do your job mantra debuted. Here was Ron in his post-game locker room speech to his team. Again, like I said at halftime, guys, that was family. That was a family win. We talked about the things that everybody needed to do. Offense, defense, special teams. Those are the details that we talked about. All three phases got to contribute. All three phases got to give us the opportunity to win a football game. Guys got to understand one thing. There are no perfect moments. They're just moments. You make those moments perfect. Okay, that's what happens. They're just opportunities, as Coach Rock said. Opportunities. When you take advantage of opportunities, you win football games. That's simple. Just got to remember a couple things. Y'all did your job, but you got to pay attention to details. We were not detail-oriented today. we got to be detail-oriented. You want to be a great team? Details. Little things add up. Little things become big things. Big things become great things. You become champions. That's how it happens. That's just the way life is, guys. That's the process. 
That is the process. And you know, as bad as things seemed off the commander's previous game, the 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football in Week 5. The Commanders are 3-3 three and three and just two games behind the now 5-1 and one Philadelphia Eagles for first place in the NFC East. Yeah, the Eagles, a stunning 2014 loss at the New York Jets on Sunday to fall to 5-1. and one. And next up for the Commanders is a game at the now 1-5 and five New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at 1. The Giants lost at the Buffalo Bills 14-9 on Sunday night football in a game that was a lot closer than uh, most people anticipated. The Bills scored all of their points in the fourth quarter. Coming up on the show, in-depth analysis of and reaction to the Commanders' win at the Falcons. Next segment, a deep dive on a bounce-back performance by the Commander's defense. I'll then get into the work of Commander's quarterback Sam Howell, and I'll then hit on a variety of other things from the game, including the great second-quarter 61-yard putt return by receiver Jamison Crowder and what the Commander's got from running backs and receivers in the game. Also on the show, college football, week seven, breakdowns of Maryland's hideous 27-24 homecoming loss to Illinois on Saturday, but also nice wins for Virginia Tech, Navy, and James Madison. The Hokies in their homecoming game, Rip Wake Forest, 30-13 on Saturday. The Midshipmen won at Charlotte in Charlotte's homecoming game, 14-0 on Saturday afternoon. And the Dukes, uh, they notched a 41 13 home win over Georgia Southern on Saturday afternoon. And I'll talk Capitals, uh, not the regular season opener that we wanted, a 4-0 loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins at Capital One Arena on Friday night. I'll get into what exactly went wrong in what was the regular season debut for Spencer Carberry as Caps head coach. Uh, Before we get to some feedback, a thank you to everyone who came out to Walter's Sports Bar in Washington, D.C., right near Nationals Park on Friday evening for the second annual Nats Chat Podcast Party. Nats Chat is the Nats podcast that I do with Nats insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. We had a great turnout. Uh, I met and talked with a lot of listeners of Nats Chat and of this podcast. Uh, It was a real pleasure talking with everyone. Very nice, very smart people. Uh, And then how about what broke regarding the Nats the next day? Uh, A major hiring by the Nats. Multiple reports that they are hiring Brad Sialek as their senior director of amateur scouting. Who is Brad Sialek? Well, Brad Sialek had been a major force in the Orioles front office. The Nats are plucking Sialek from the O's. He had been the Orioles' director of draft operations since November 2021. He had been with the O's in various scouting capacities since January 2013, and that followed a previous stint with the O's from February 2011 to November 2011. Uh, You know, the Nats, in rebuilding their front office beneath president of baseball operations and general manager Mike Rizzo, are doing exactly what the Nats should be doing, getting someone from a team in the O's that has been doing the MLB draft and player development in much better ways 
pace than the Nats have been doing those things. Uh, Brad Sielek is an analytics guy. Uh, he'll work under the guy who the Nats reportedly are hiring as their scouting director, Danny Haas, who also worked for the O's, although that was a while ago. Uh, Haas worked for the O's in a variety of scouting roles from December 2011 through the 2018 season. He spent the previous five seasons, 2019 through 2023, as a special assignment scout for the Arizona Diamondbacks, working in uh, amateur and international amateur scouting. And the Diamondbacks on Monday night are playing in Game 1 of the National League Championship Series. Diamondbacks at the Philadelphia Phillies Monday night at 8.07. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback on the Commander's win. It feels good to say win. The Commander's win at the Falcons. Boy, I love the wild nature of some of what (laughs) I'm about to read to you. Tweet from Brian Young on Sam Howell. Sam is firing on all cylinders now. Good to see the debate of whether he is a franchise quarterback should be over with. Wow. Thank you for the tweet, Brian. Uh, But on the flip side of that, tweet from Zim on Sam. There's been nothing to say that he can be a top 10 quarterback. Anything else is a waste of time. Eric Bieniemy looks to be gone next year. Third system in three years. Time to move on. Let someone else take that risk. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Tweet from Jake. If the Falcons had Taylor Heineke at quarterback, Washington most likely loses that game. Uh, Interesting thought. I don't know that Jake is wrong in saying that, Uh, but Tay-Tay did not play. Uh, Tweet from Brian Dawson. Eric Bieniemy has a lot of growing to do as a play caller. Terrible second half with no time management skills. Email from David Meadows writes, David, hey Al, I am happy that we won, but I was very frustrated by the last four true commanders' offensive drives going nowhere. Punt, 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 punt. One drive, even one that resulted in a field goal, would have essentially sealed the game. We're always coming down to the last drive, and that was so unnecessary in this game. The Falcons were handing us the game with all of the turnovers, but we couldn't take advantage. It should have been a relatively easy win, but that never seems to be in the cards for this darn team. Three and three. Let's see where it goes. Uh, Thank you for the email, David. Uh, This was such a strange game for the commander's offense. You know, I mentioned the uh, total yardage. I mean, again, 193 total net yards of offense, and yet the commanders won the game. I mean, that's incredible. Uh, But how about this? Four of the commander's first six true offensive drives resulted in scores, three touchdowns and a field goal. And then, yeah, each of the team's final four true offensive drives resulted in a punt in the last two of those drives, three and out drives. The offense was really good over the first two quarters and change, and then was uh, quite bad the rest of the game. But always very good is Dr. George Verghese. He is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists, and he and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland provide excellent skin care. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. George Verghese is a big fan of the Commanders. He's a loyal listener of this podcast, and he and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focus on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. If you are dealing with allergic reactions, if you are dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, 
If you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Heck, Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings in addition to offering advanced treatments for many skin cancers. Call Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland at 301-396-3401. That's 301-396-3401. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. But call 301-396-3401. You can also visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skin care, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Thank you to all of you who have given the podcast a five-star rating and who have written nice reviews of the podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long, can be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot, so thank you very much for doing them. Uh, nobody feels great about the commander's defense. How could you of what we saw from the defense in weeks two through five of this 2023 NFL regular season. But the commanders now are three and three, thanks to their defense overall playing well in the 24-16 win at the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday afternoon. And I know that that may sound wrong, that the commander's defense played well, but actually it did. Uh, Now, what this means for the commander's defense moving forward this season, who the heck knows? I mean, the commanders every week for the rest of this season are not going to have Desmond Ritter as the opposing quarterback. The commanders every week for the rest of this season are not going to face an opposing offense that has trouble avoiding a delay of game penalties as the Falcons did on Sunday afternoon. But the commanders defense in this win at the Falcons bounced back from having allowed at least 30 points in each of the previous four games, including the wretched 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football in Week 5. The commander's defense in this win at the Falcons on Sunday afternoon did a number of good things. The commanders generated three second-half interceptions. The commanders held the Falcons to just 5 of 15 on third downs. The commanders held quarterback Desmond Ritter to just 28 of 47 passing. Uh, That works out to a completion percentage of just 59.57. And the commanders held Ritter over his 47 pass attempts to just 307 passing yards. That works out to a yards per pass attempt of just 6.53. And the commanders totaled three sacks. And the commanders stopped the run. They held Falcons running backs Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier to combined 26 carries for 88 yards. That works out to a yards per carry of just 3.38. That's good defense. The commander's defense bounced back. Uh, A lot of five defensive linemen looks by the commanders on Sunday afternoon. A lot of Cinco package by the commanders on Sunday afternoon. This was commander's head coach Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on the Cinco package. 
Well, I, again, it, it's when you look at the five-man front, the biggest thing more it is than anything else, it's really a 3-4 defense. That's all it really is for us. And, and that's the way Jack looks at it, the way it's sold to the guys. So, you know, it, it, as we play it, we can do a lot of things out of it. Um, and and it, it is, you know, it is key because, you know, when you, you bring in an extra bigger guy, it's a little bit more of a load to move. Yeah, lots of good stuff from the commander's defense on Sunday afternoon. And by the way, corner Emmanuel Forbes Jr. did not play on defense at all in this game. Yes, benched for the entire game. This was Ron Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on why Forbes was benched for the entire game. And then you'll hear follow-up exchanges about the defense with commander's insiders Nikki Javala and Sam Fortier of the Washington Post and Ron. I think in looking at, at it, it, it's probably an opportunity for him to get a little reset, kind of watch, see how things happen, see how things go. And, uh, you know, hopefully it, it's something that he'll learn from, he'll take as, as a positive and grow from it. And how do you think the secondary did with, with Danny coming in and, and just bouncing? I thought there were some really good things. I thought, you know, the, the defense bowed up when it had to, made a couple of plays that were really good that really helped us. And, um, you know, I just think that, again, when you need to make plays, you have to step up when you get the opportunity. A lot of guys did today. He has made a lot of defensive changes with Leak and Danny and Quan. How much of that is things you wanted to do, and how much of that is just to be specific opponent? Well, I think some of it was a little bit of both. I think it was uh, some of the things that we wanted to do, some of them necessitated by, by the injuries that had happened. Um, and I think some of it was necessitated by the opponent. You know, they did some personnel things that we wanted to try and create some matchups that we thought could be beneficial for us. I thought Jack and the staff had it well, well mapped out, well prepared. Um, you know, and as I said, there's some, some things that we got to get fixed on, on, on all three phases, and that's our details. And considering how the defense played today, do you expect to stick with the same rotations? Or well, We'll see how things go. Each week is a different week. Each week's a different opponent. That's how we're going to we're going to approach it. It's going to be based on who we play and uh, what the game plan is. I mean, again, you know, Jack and the staff will get together tomorrow and Tuesday, and they'll work it out and map out how we're going to do things come uh, come Wednesday. So no Emmanuel Forbes Jr. on Sunday afternoon, and yet the Commanders' defense had a good game. The three second-half interceptions were great. The Commanders, over their first five games this regular season, totaled just five takeaways, but the Commanders, in just this win at the Falcons, had three takeaways. Uh, Commanders' second-half interception, number one, uh, Falcons' sixth offensive drive was the opening drive of the second half, the fifth snap of the drive on a third and seven for the Falcons at their 45. Corner Kendall Fuller came through with an interception of a shotgun pass by Desmond Ritter and then generated a 23-yard return, and the ensuing commander's offensive drive resulted in a touchdown, resulted in quarterback Sam Howell's third quarter, second and seven, 24-yard shotgun play-action touchdown pass on a screen to running back Brian Robinson Jr. The commander's second-half interception at number two of the Falcons' ninth offensive drive, the 14th snap of the drive on a third and goal at the seven with 5.17 left in the fourth quarter and the commanders clinging to a 24-16 lead. Corner Benjamin St. Juice, the juice, an easy end zone interception of a shotgun pass by Desmond Ritter, who was pressured on the play. And commander's second half interception, number three, the Falcons 11th offensive drive, the seventh snap of the drive on a third and one for the Falcons at the Commanders 34 with 31 seconds left in the fourth quarter and the Commanders still clinging to the 24-16 lead. Linebacker Jamin Davis iced the game 
with a terrific interception in covering Bijan Robinson on a slant round. Jamin in the game had the interception, also had a sack. Uh, this was Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on the game clinching pick by Jamin Davis. Well, the best thing was he was he was in his leverage position where he needed to be. He was in a, he was in a good trail position. He was on the hip, and as he saw the ball start to be delivered, he was going down to make the make the play on the ball and just put himself in position to make the interception. I mean, that's those are the types of things that he is capable of because of his athleticism and his you know and, and again just continue to understand where is my leverage, you know where is my help going to be, and if I play to that, I give myself opportunity to make plays. Well, I mentioned the commanders having three sacks. The other two were by edge defender Casey Tuhill, who had two second-half sacks. Uh, the Falcons' seventh offensive drive resulted in a third-quarter punt. The sixth snap of the drive on a third and three for the Falcons at their 44. Tuhill chased down Desmond Ritter for a sack for an 11-yard loss. The Falcons' 10th offensive drive resulted in a fourth-quarter turnover on downs. The third snap of that drive on a third and eight for the Falcons at their 44. Tuhill tackled Desmond Ritter as he took off scrambling for a zero-yard sack. Uh, safety Cameron Curl had three of the commander's 10 pest defenses in this game, one that especially stood out. The Falcons' third offensive drive resulted in a second-quarter turnover on downs, the eighth snap of the drive on a fourth and three for the Falcons at the commander's 48. Curl registered a pass defense in having good coverage on Bijan Robinson on a shotgun incompletion by Desmond Ritter intended for Robinson. And that play happened off the commander's taking a timeout that perhaps bailed out the Falcons from a delay of game penalty. Hated to see that because the Falcons seemed to be on the verge of taking a delay of game penalty. And then Ron Rivera called a timeout. Uh, Also, we on Sunday afternoon saw a good bit of linebacker Kalik Hudson. Uh, Kalik Hudson, over the commander's first five games this regular season, played on just one defensive snap. That was it. But Kalik in this win at the Falcons made an impact. The Falcons' second offensive drive resulted in an early second quarter three and out. The second snap of the drive, the first snap of the second quarter, on a second and 10 for the Falcons at their 23. Kalik and Jamin Davis tackled Tyler Algier on a two-yard offset eye toss run. And Kalik was part of the commanders tackling Algier on the Falcons' failed two-point conversion attempt off Desmond Ritter's fourth quarter second and goal two-yard under center play action touchdown pass to tight end Janu Smith. The commanders denying the Falcons on that two-point conversion attempt was big, especially considering that the denial came off Benjamin St. Juice on the Falcons' initial two-point conversion attempt following that touchdown, committing a one-yard defensive pass interference penalty, allowing for the Falcons to go for two from the commanders' one, and yet still the commanders got the stop. Uh, Now, as for the negatives from the commander's defense in this win at the Falcons, well, penalties. Uh, The commanders over the final 16 minutes, 11 seconds of the game committed six defensive penalties, five of which were accepted. Uh, The Falcons' eighth offensive drive resulted in the Desmond Ritter fourth quarter second and goal two-yard touchdown pass to Janu Smith, the seventh snap of the drive and the third to last snap of the third quarter on a third and six for the Falcons at the Commander's 30. Corner Danny Johnson committed a nine-yard defensive pass interference penalty and covering tight end Kyle Pitts, the 13th snap of the drive on a second and goal at the five for the Falcons. Edge defender Chase Young committed a three-yard neutral zone 
infraction penalty. And then on the Falcons' initial two-point conversion attempt following the touchdown, we had that Benjamin St. Juice one-yard defensive pass interference penalty. The Falcons' ninth offensive drive, uh, this was the drive that resulted in the Benjamin St. Juice end zone interception on a fourth quarter third and goal at the seven for the Falcons. But the commanders on this drive committed two penalties. Eighth snap of the drive on a third and nine for the Falcons at the Commanders 31. Linebacker Cody Barton committed a 15-yard roughing the passer penalty to negate a sack strip by defensive back Quan Martin uh, on Desmond Ritter. Now, I know there was some talk of like, hey, how could a penalty be called there? But Barton came in high in today's NFL that's going to be called roughing the passer. And sure enough, that's what we got. Also on this drive, 11th snap, second and goal for the Falcons at the four. Interior defensive lineman Duran Payne committed a two-yard neutral zone infraction penalty and hurt a finger. Uh, Duran, during his postgame session with reporters, said that the finger randomly popped out uh, while he was getting into his stance, but uh, Duran seems to be okay. Uh, additionally, the commander's defense did get worked at various points in this game. The commanders got shredded by Desmond Ritter on the Falcons' first offensive drive, an 11-play, 75-yard drive that consumed 5 minutes, 59 seconds off the clock, resulted in Ritter's first quarter, second and four, nine-yard shotgun play-action touchdown pass to Kyle Pitts. The commanders on this drive allowed Ritter to go 5 of 6 for 65 yards and a touchdown. You know, the Falcons came into this game having not registered a single first down on any of their first offensive drives in games in this regular season. But the commanders on this drive allowed the Falcons to go two of two on third downs. Uh, And speaking of third down conversions by the Falcons, the commanders allowed two big third down completions on the Falcons' fourth offensive drive, which resulted in kicker Youngway Koo's 47-yard field goal with 131 left in the second quarter. Third snap of the drive on a third and five for the Falcons at their 30. Jamin Davis got beat by Kyle Pitts on a 19-yard reception by Pitts on a shotgun throw by Desmond Ritter. And the sixth snap of the drive in the snap right before the first half two-minute warning on a third and seven for the Falcons at the Commanders 48. Kalik Hudson ran into Benjamin St. Juice and was late in coverage on Bijan Robinson, who had a 22-yard reception on a shotgun throw by Ritter. But the commander's defense, the rest of the game was quite good. And bottom line, the commander's defense in this win at the Falcons, a lot better than what we had seen over the previous four games, and especially the last game. Uh, And if you want to make your home much better, uh, and you live in Northern Virginia, get with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Uh, Nova Fireplace and Stove is outstanding. It handles gas fireplace sales service and installation, handles gas, electric, and wood stoves, and handles chimney cleaning and repair. If you live in Northern Virginia, stay warm and upgrade the feel and value of your home with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $25 off any service or receive a free vent kit on any in-stock gas insert. Nova Fireplace and Stove, it has been around for more than 20 years. It is run by massive Commanders fans, and it has outstanding professionals. Whatever the work that you need done requires, Nova Fireplace and Stove has. Master gas fitter, master electrician, class A contractor, 
licensed chimney inspector. And because of this, Nova Fireplace and Stove can complete your project without the need for any subcontractors. And Nova Fireplace and Stove can pull all of the necessary county permits for the work that is being done. Additionally, Nova Fireplace and Stove can perform fireplace and chimney safety inspections. See for yourself the work that Nova Fireplace and Stove can do. It has a showroom in Woodbridge, Virginia, and has a terrific website, NovaFireplaceAndStove.com. And take advantage of the special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $25 off any service or receive a free vent kit on any in-stock gas insert. Join the Nova Fireplace and Stove family and experience the fireplace service and care that you deserve. Call 571-513-3803. That's 571-513-3803. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, what could have been a great game for Commanders quarterback Sam Howell in the 24-16 win at the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday afternoon ended up being a mixed game. Uh, Sam, over the Commanders' first seven offensive drives of the game, went 13 of 19 for 133 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. But he, over the Commanders' final five offensive drives, went just one of four for 18 yards, no touchdowns, and no interceptions. With more than 12 minutes left in the third quarter, the Commanders scoring at least 30 points in this game seemed like a given, right? (laughs) But the team's point total ended up being 24. Uh, The Commanders in this game were not on offense much. Uh, The Commanders for the game ran just 50 offensive plays to the Falcons 79. Uh, The Commanders in the game lost the time of possession battle by 12 minutes, 46 seconds. Uh, What you like from Sam in this game, of course, three touchdown passes versus no interceptions. I appreciated that, especially given that Falcons quarterback Desmond Ritter in this game threw three second half interceptions. You know, Sam in the 37-3 loss to the Buffalo Bills at FedEx Field in week three threw four interceptions, but he and his other six career NFL regular season starts has thrown just three interceptions. Uh, Sacks are a massive problem for our guy, Sam, but interceptions, with the exception of that loss to the Bills, uh, have not been a problem for Sam. Uh, Also, Sam on Sunday afternoon had a key run, a second quarter, fourth and one, four-yard shotgun read option run, but there was a good bit of bad for Sam on Sunday afternoon. He took five sacks, Uh, He completed just 14 of his 23 pass attempts. That works out to a completion percentage of just 60.87. He, over his 23 pass attempts, threw for just 151 yards. That works out to a yards per pass attempt of just 6.57. And he quarterbacked a commander's offense that went just to 2 of 10 on third downs. Now, we on Sunday morning had a national report regarding Sam Howell. We had a report from NFL insider Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports. Jones reported that, quote, sources tell CBS Sports that commanders are both planning to get Howell quicker completions early in the game and hoping he can speed up his internal clock, end quote. Uh, I don't know that we needed a report 
uh, to tell us that uh, the commanders are hoping that Sam can speed up his internal clock. But okay. But Jones also reported that, quote, to be sure, the organization stands behind Howell. The commanders from managing partner Josh Harris on down, sources say, have liked what they've seen from Howell, from his poise to his toughness and his ability to make the big throw. And quote, uh, to me, the most notable item in the report was that item and how Josh Harris feels about Sam Howell. Although I have to tell you, with how many times over the last 15 years that we have had negative reports on Washington on the mornings of Washington games, to have a report as benign <laughs> as this one uh, was refreshing. Uh, so some of the good from Sam Howell in this win at the Falcons. Sam had two key throws and a key run on the commander's fourth offensive drive. This was a seven-play, 52-yard drive, resulted in Sam's second quarter, first and goal, 70-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Curtis Samuel across the middle. The fourth snap of the drive on a fourth and one for the commanders at the Falcons, 43. Sam had a four-yard shotgun read option run. The seventh snap of the drive in the play right before the touchdown on a first and 10 for the commanders at the Falcons, 25. Sam had an 18-yard under center play action completion to receiver Terry McLaurin. Uh, Sam had an easy touchdown pass to cap the commander's third offensive drive, which started at the Falcons' 11, uh, thanks to receiver Jamison Crowder's 61-yard punt return on the third snap of the second quarter. More on that play later in the show, but the third snap of the drive, Sam, a second quarter, first and goal, one-yard offset eye play-action boot touchdown pass to running back Antonio Gibson. Sam had three double-digit yardage completions, including two third down completions for first downs on the commander's first offensive drive. Uh, this was the opening drive of the game, a 12-play 56-yard drive that consumed six minutes, 15 seconds off the clock, resulted in kicker Joey Sly's first quarter 37-yard field goal. Sam on the drive went six of seven for 60 yards. He did take a sack, but the third snap of the drive on a third and nine for the commanders at their 26. Sam had a 16-yard shotgun play action completion to Curtis Samuel, who made a nice diving reception in reaching back to catch the ball. Uh, the fifth snap of the drive on a second and eight for the commanders at their 44. Sam had a 10-yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin. The eighth snap of the drive on a third and nine for the commanders at the Falcons 45. Sam had a 22-yard shotgun completion to Terry on a broken play off Sam running to his right on what was a free play thanks to a defensive offside penalty by interior defensive lineman Grady Jared that the commanders declined. Uh, very nice play by Sam. The bad from Sam, uh, he had a key misfire in the fourth quarter. The commander's 11th offensive drive resulted in a fourth quarter three and out. The third snap of the drive on a third and eight for the commanders at the Falcons 42 with the commanders nursing a 24-16 lead with two minutes, 13 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Sam was off uh, on a shotgun pass intended for Terry McLaurin. Sam connects on that throw, and uh, you're probably looking at a first down right there. Uh, and yes, the sacks. I mean, I don't know what else we can say anymore, right? But the Sam Howell sack problem remains a big-time problem. The problem really isn't getting better. Uh, Sam, in this win at the Falcons, took five sacks, which were as many as the Falcons had over five games this regular season. The Falcons for the 2023 regular season through week five were dead last in the NFL in team sack percentage at 3.01 and were tied with the New York Giants for dead last in the NFL in sacks with five. And yet the Falcons on Sunday afternoon had five sacks. Uh, Sam took a sack on the commander's first offensive drive, which resulted in the Joey Sly first quarter 37-yard field goal, the ninth snap of the drive on a first and 10 
the Commanders at the Falcons 23. Sam held on to the ball for too long and took a sack from Grady Jarrett for a 70-yard loss. Sam took two sacks on the Commanders' fifth offensive drive. This was a terrible drive, but the Commanders resulted at a late second quarter three and out. First snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Commanders at their 25. Sam waited too long to take off and took a sack from edge defender Bud Dupree for a four-yard loss. The second snap of the drive on a second and 14 for the Commanders at their 21. Sam took a sack from edge defender Calais Campbell for a six-yard loss, what was the 100th career regular season sack for Calais Campbell. Uh, The commander's eighth offensive drive resulted in a third quarter punt, the fifth snap of the drive on a third and eight for the commanders at their 37. Sam took a sack from edge defender Arnold Ebicady for a seven-yard loss. Uh, Ebicady, by the way, from Maryland. Uh, He went to Richard Montgomery High School in Rockville and then uh, went to Albert Einstein High School in Kensington. And the commander's 10th offensive drive resulted in a fourth quarter three and out, the third snap of the drive on a third and 10 the commanders at their 20. Sam took a sack that was split by Arnold Ebicady and Bud Dupree for a six-yard loss. When you talk about why the commander's offense was ineffective down the stretch of this game, Sam taking sacks was a big part of that. Uh, this was Sam during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on taking five sacks. Yeah, I mean, always, always trying to get better, and I think they did. They do, they do a really good job in coverage, um, and 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 made it tough at times. And you know, I think obviously we had probably saw a good number of sacks again today, and I thought our O line for the most part did did a heck of a job. Um, you know, I think a lot of those sacks were more coverage sacks, and when it's a coverage sack, it's it's it's, it's on me, and I got to find a way to you know either try to take a short completion or find an incompletion. I thought they did a good job of kind of covering the checkdowns and taking those short completions away, and kind of made it tough on me to find any completion, but that's just something I got to continue to get better at. Um, but those guys up front did a heck of a job, and they fought till the end. Now, the commanders for this game were without their starting left tackle, Charles Leno Jr. Uh, he was inactive for this game. The commanders, about two hours before kickoff, announced that Leno had been downgraded to out for this game due to a personal reason. And you said to yourself when you saw that, oh boy, Uh, This probably is something serious because Charles Leno Jr. does not miss games. He came into this game having played in every regular season game for his teams since the start of the 2015 season. And sure enough, uh, it turned out that the personal reason was the death of a daughter uh, who was born the previous night. Uh, Just awful news. Uh, Charles' wife, Jen, tweeted out the news on Sunday morning. So certainly uh, we send all of our best uh, to the Leno family. It was Cornelius Lucas, uh, who was the commander starting left tackle for this game. Here was Sam Howell during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on how Lucas did uh, and on what happened with Leno. Yeah, did a good job. You know, big, big, big Luke, we call him. Um, but yeah, he did a heck job stepping in today. Obviously, thoughts and prayers are with Leno and his family. You know, it's just super tough to hear something like that happened with one of our teammates, one of our brothers. Um, so we're all, we're all behind him and supporting him and his family. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he did a good job stepping in today and, and kind of fulfilling Leno's role. Uh, but yeah, we definitely miss Leno out there and hope hope to get him back out there soon. But no, at the end of the day, there's there's a lot of things that are bigger than this game of football. Um, and, you know, God will be with his family and, and strengthen him throughout this time, and we'll, we'll continue to do the same. Yeah, classy stuff from Sam Howell. But back to the sacks. So Sam, for this 2023 regular season, now has taken 34 sacks. Uh, he is on pace to take 96 sacks. 
the NFL record for most sacks taken by a quarterback in a regular season. As you almost surely know by now, because this has been brought up so much, 76 by the Houston Texans' David Carr in 2002. The record is 76. Sam is on pace for 90. Six. Uh, this was Commander's head coach Ron Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on the performance of Sam Howell in this win at the Falcons. Well, I thought there were some real good things that that that, that Sam did early on, and 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 I I think it's one of those things that again he's got to continue to work on getting the ball out, get the ball out on time. Um, you know, he can't set himself up to take those kind of sacks sometimes, um, and 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 those are probably the only real big negatives I could see. Um, he did speed his clock up a little bit uh, later in the in the fourth quarter, if you ask me. You know, and again, I, I got to look at the tape before I can really give you a definitive on that. But it did look like he sped up his clock a little bit and threw the ball sometimes before he needed to. All right, and this was Rod Rivera during his post game presser on Sunday afternoon on how he is now viewing Sam Howell in the bigger picture. I think a guy is in growth and development, uh, and again, as, as he grows and develops and continues to do positive things, it gives us every opportunity to, to be even better as a football team. When we, we make mistakes and we don't do the things we're, we're capable of, we're not as good as we can be. I, I think his growth is going to be real important, real critical to us as we, we continue to go forward. Well, the growth of Sam Howell, of course, is a big deal. The sacks, of course, remain a big problem, but to me, there has been more to like than not like with Sam through seven career NFL regular season games. And by the way, Sam on Sunday afternoon set a new franchise record for most passing yards through seven career regular season games. A lot to like with Sam, a lot to like with Underdog Fantasy, which is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports and is offering a limited time enhanced special offer to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $500 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers pick'em games by which you can win up to 20 times on your money in one day and offers a pick'em insurance, which gives you a little wiggle room if you're not as confident in an entry. And when it comes to season-long fantasy, Underdog Fantasy offers a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be ultra-time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $500 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $500, you get $500 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789.
More now from the Commanders' 24-16 win at the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday afternoon. Commanders receiver Jamison Crowder. Uh, It was on September 6th that Jamison Crowder came back to Washington. It was on September 6th that the Commanders announced that they had signed former Redskins receiver Jamison Crowder to the practice squad. His contract with the New York Giants had been terminated on August 30th in their cut down to 53. He had signed with the Giants as an unrestricted free agent. This past March, this season is Crowder's age 30 season. He, of course, came into the NFL with the Skins. They took him in the fourth round of the 2015 NFL Draft out of Duke. He was terrific over his first two seasons, 2015 and 2016. He then dealt with injury and ineffectiveness over the next two seasons, 2017 and 2018. And then Crowder in March 2019 signed with the New York Jets as an unrestricted free agent. Well, Jamison Crowder in the second go-round with Washington has been solid as a punt returner. He, in the 34-31 overtime loss at the Philadelphia Eagles in Week 4, had just one punt return, but it was a 14-yard punt return in the second quarter. He, in the 40-20 loss to the Chicago Bears at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football in Week 5, had just one punt return, but it was a 20-yard punt return in the third quarter. And Crowder, in this win at the Falcons, had just one punt return, but it was one of the plays of the game. A 61-yard punt return on the third snap of the second quarter. And the ensuing commander's offensive drive, which started at the Falcons' 11, resulted in quarterback Sam Howell's second quarter first and goal, one-yard offset eye play-action boot touchdown pass to running back Antonio Gibson. The Crowder punt return leading to a touchdown. Uh, the 61-yard punt return by Crowder is Washington's longest punt return in a regular season game since the team's last punt return for a touchdown, which was by Jamison Crowder. Uh, a first-quarter 85-yard punt return for a touchdown in a 16-10 win at the Baltimore Ravens on October 9th, 2016. Uh, Would have loved to have seen Crowder on this 61-yard punt return on Sunday afternoon. Go all the way for the touchdown. But like I said, age 30 season. Uh, The guy's getting older. But great work by Jamison Crowder. This was Commander's head coach Rod Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on the Jamison Crowder 61-yard punt return. That was a a really good return. You know, um, the biggest thing, more so than anything else, was he caught it, and, and, and you know there was enough of a holdup that when he caught it, he was able to drop his eyes down after he had the ball, see the crease, and just and just exploded through it. Um, he started getting downhill, made a nice cutback, and if we could have just shielded one more guy off, he probably goes the distance on his own. Um, as it is, it, it was it was a spark that we needed, and it was it was very exciting. Yes, it was. Uh, Also exciting was the touchdown reception by running back Bride Robinson Jr. on Sunday afternoon. Robinson had 10 carries for 31 yards and had two receptions for 25 yards and a touchdown on two targets. The touchdown reception came in the third quarter and was outstanding. This was the commander's seventh offensive drive, started at the Falcons 27 thanks to quarter Kendall Fuller's third quarter interception. The second snap of the drive on a second and seven for the Commanders at the Falcons 24. Sam Howell, a 24-yard shotgun play action touchdown pass on a screen to Robinson, who generated 26 yards after the catch and trucked (laughs) safety Richie Grant while plowing into the end zone. Robinson on the play benefited from terrific blocking by receiver Terry McLaurin and right guard Samuel Cosme and left guard 
Sadiq Charles. But man, Brian Robinson Jr. was a man on that reception. What was the second of two touchdown receptions by Commanders running backs in the game. I mentioned the Antonio Gibson touchdown reception. He, on Sunday afternoon, had three carries for 15 yards and had one reception for one yard and a touchdown on one target. Uh, While we're talking Commanders running backs, good to have Chris Rodriguez Jr. back. He, in this win at the Falcons, returned from a two-game absence caused by illness. Uh, Rodriguez had four carries for 23 yards, was not targeted in the passing game, but he had two big runs on the Commanders' eighth offensive drive, which did result in a third quarter punt, but the first snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Commanders at their 15. Rodriguez, a seven-yard under center handoff run, and the second snap of the drive on a second and three for the Commanders at their 22. Rodriguez, a 13-yard shotgun handoff run. Brian Robinson Jr., Antonio Gibson, and Chris Rodriguez Jr. in this game combined for 17 carries for 69 yards. Uh, That works out to a yards per carry of 4.06. Not great, but, you know, not awful. Uh, There was, though, a lack of consistency with the Commander's running game. Uh, The Commander's fourth offensive drive, which resulted in Sam Howell's second quarter first and goal, 70-yard shotgun touchdown pass to receiver Curtis Samuel. That drive featured nine-yard runs by Robinson and Gibson. Second snap of the drive on a second and 10 for the Commanders at their 48. Robinson had a nine-yard under center handoff run. The fifth snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Commanders at the Falcons 39. Gibson had a nine-yard shotgun handoff run on which he demonstrated great second effort in generating yardage after contact. But if you add up Robinson's nine-yard run, Gibson's nine-yard run, and Rodriguez's two big runs, which totaled 20 yards, 38 of the 69 combined rushing yards by Robinson, Gibson, and Rodriguez came over just four carries. The trio's other combined 13 carries totaled just 31 yards, 2.38 yards per carry. There is a lack of consistency with the running game right now. Uh, That's frustrating. Also frustrating is what's happening with receiver Jahan Dotson. Uh, The commanders uh, took Jahan with the number 16 overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. He, of course, had a very nice rookie season, but he is having a bad second season. Uh, Jahan in this win at the Falcons, no receptions on one target, which resulted in a drop. Uh, He did also draw a penalty, so you give him credit for that. Uh, The drop in the penalty actually came on the same drive. Uh, The commander's fourth offensive drive resulted in Sam Howell's second quarter first and goal 70-yard touchdown pass to Curtis Samuel. The first snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at their 48, Jahan had a terrible drop on a perfect shotgun play action throw by Sam Howell on a play that should have resulted in a big gain and maybe a touchdown as Jahan was wide open. Now, to Jahan's credit, the sixth snap of the drive on a second and one for the commanders at the Falcons 30, Jahan drew a five-yard defensive holding penalty on corner Jeff Okuda. But remember all of the talk about Jahan before his rookie season of how he doesn't drop passes and how he would go about his daily life while holding a football in order to make himself as adept as possible at not dropping passes? Uh, Well, he now, over the last three games, has had two bad drops. Uh, He and this win at the Falcons had the drop that we just talked about. And you go back to the overtime loss at the Eagles in week four, Jahan on a third quarter, third and four for the commanders at their 36, had a bad drop. He allowed a perfect shotgun throw by Sam Howell 
to go right through the hands. Uh, but beyond the drops, Jahan Dodson, over six games this regular season, has just 17 receptions for just 140 yards and a touchdown on 31 targets. Also, receiver Deami Brown, uh, he in this win at the Falcons had what you could consider yet another drop. He had no receptions on one target. The commander's first offensive drive was the opening drive of the game, resulted in kicker Joey Sly's first quarter 37-yard field goal, the sixth snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the commanders at the Falcons 46. Deami was unable to make an attempted one-armed catch with his left arm on a shotgun deep pass by Sam Howell down the left sideline. Uh, you know, not an easy play, but a play that could have been made, but wasn't. Uh, Diami in the loss to the Bears, was guilty of what could be considered two drops, including on a second quarter, first and 10 for the commanders at the Bears, 39. Diami in the end zone had what I considered to be a drop on a shotgun play action deep ball from Sam Howell. Uh, the pass was slightly overthrown, but Diami didn't even dive for the ball. You know, Deami Brown, it feels like every game is good for one play that could have been, but wasn't. And uh, we got that early in this game at the Falcons on Sunday afternoon. But the game, of course, was a win for the Commanders on Sunday afternoon. The Commanders, two best receivers this season, without question, have been Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel. Terry on Sunday afternoon, six receptions for 81 yards on 11 targets. The Commanders' ninth offensive drive did result in a fourth-quarter punt, but the first snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Commanders at their 25, Sam Howell, an 18-yard shotgun play action completion to Terry, who broke through an attempted tackle by safety Richie Grant and generating 15 yards after the catch. Uh, this was Sam during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on whether targeting Terry was a point of emphasis for this game. Yeah, I mean, we knew, you know, our, we script, you know, the first, we have like, you know, the first 15, we call it, you know, and we script plays and we know Terry had a good, good opportunity to you know, be the primary in a lot of those plays and get the ball. And, you know, we knew we were going to see a lot of man match type coverage against them. And we know our guys were going to have to win. And Terry's a guy that excels in man coverage. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we always want to get Terry going and we want to, we want to get everybody going. Um, like just talking to the guys, man, like there was a lot of, I don't think Curtis and Jahan didn't have very much involvement in the passing game. And that's just something we got to continue to get better at moving forward. And those guys know it's only a matter of time. Um, and at the end of the day, they were happy to win. But yeah, I mean, Terry did a good job. And all those guys, guys, guys did a good job when their number was called. All right. And Curtis Samuel, he on Sunday afternoon had four receptions for 42 yards and a touchdown on four targets and had a carry for no gain. Although Curtis had what was technically a nine yard reception uh, that looked more like a nine yard run. Uh, this on the commander's first touchdown drive. This was uh, the team's third offensive drive started at the Falcons 11. Thanks to the uh, Jamison Crowder 61 yard punt return on the third snap of the second quarter. The drive resulted in Sam Howell's second quarter First and goal, one-yard touchdown pass to Antonio Gibson. The first snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Commanders at the Falcons 11. Curtis had what was technically a nine-yard reception on a play on which Sam took a shotgun snap and then immediately shoveled the ball uh, to Curtis on a jet sweep play. Really good-looking play that reeked of the Kansas City Chiefs, so assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, perhaps going uh, to his Chiefs roots, but an effective play. And Curtis Samuel, in what is a contract season for him, uh, doing a good job here. He has been the commander's second best receiver of that, there's no doubt. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, we all love the NFL and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking players for your fantasy team, only with Little Caesars pizza you never lose. And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. We now move to college football week seven, a week in which we had homecoming games for Maryland and Virginia Tech, but with very different results. A terrible loss for the Terrapins. They fell to five and two overall and two and two in the Big Ten with a 27-24 loss to Illinois at a rainy CQ Stadium in College Park, Maryland on Saturday. You think about this game for the Terps. They, in their homecoming game, lost to an Illinois team that came into the game just 2-4 and four overall and 0-3 and in the Big Ten. Maryland for this game was a 13-and-a-half-point favorite per multiple shops. I, on Friday's show, episode 677, during Goldilocks, uh, wondered about the possibility of a flat performance by the Terps, given that they were coming off the 37-17 loss at then number four, Ohio State, on October 7th. And sure enough, the Terps were flat. They blew a 14-7 second quarter lead in allowing Illinois to score 17 consecutive points. The Terps tied the game at 24 late in the fourth quarter, but lost the game on a 43-yard field goal by Illinois kicker Caleb Griffin as time expired in the fourth quarter. A last second loss on homecoming to a bad team. Uh, By the way, while we're talking kickers, uh, Terps kicker Jack Howes, uh, he connected on a 48-yard field goal with 131 left in the fourth quarter, but he missed a third quarter 45-yard field goal attempt. Howes is just 7 of 13 on field goals this season. And then there's Terps quarterback Talia Tungavailoa. He had a very mixed game. Now, on the one hand, Talia completed 27 of his 39 pass attempts and had two touchdown passes versus no interceptions. But on the other hand, Talia averaged just 6.82 yards per pass attempt, took three sacks, and quarterback to Terps offense that went just 5 of 15 
on third downs. Uh, the Terps offense was missing two key players due to injury. Two Corys, in fact, uh, in tight end Corey Deitches and left guard Corey Bullock. But Talia was coming off a really bad performance in that loss at Ohio State. He was facing a bad team in Illinois, and he did not have the kind of bounce back game that you wanted. Uh, the Terps' rushing offense was good. Running backs Roman Hemby, Antoine Littleton II, and Colby McDonald combined for 20 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown. But the Terps' defense was just so-so. Uh, the Terps did hold Illinois to just 6-16 on third downs and totaled five sacks and an interception. The Terps held Illinois quarterback Luke Altmeyer to just 16-28 to passing, but uh, they also allowed him to average 12.88 yards per completion and to have two touchdown passes. Uh, the Terps secondary was missing some key guys. Uh, the Terps top corner, Tarheeb Still, um, missed a second consecutive game due to an ankle injury that he suffered in the Terps 44-17 home win over Indiana on September 30th. And Terps safety, Dante Trader, did not play in this loss to Illinois uh, due to an injury that he suffered in the loss at Ohio State. And the Terps had other second-half special teams problems beyond Jack Howe's missed third-quarter 45-yard field goal attempt as the Terps did not recover the ball on an onside kickoff to begin the second half. That was a gamble that did not work out. And the Terps gave up a 43-yard kickoff return on the first snap of the fourth quarter and gave up a 31-yard punt return in the fourth quarter. Uh, very disappointing showing by the Terps. Uh, Terps head coach Mike Loxley, he started his post-game press conference on Saturday evening with a lengthy statement. Here you go. Well, start one by giving credit, you know, obviously to Illinois. They played hard as I expected that they would. Um, but as I sit here or stand here before you, the more I play this thing back in my head even now, um, what happened today had very few things to do with Illinois. It goes back to what I always say, it's gonna be us versus us. And uh, we didn't play very well in any of the three phases, offensively, uh, you know, to not score there before the half, uh, to be inefficient on third down, um, not come away with touchdowns when we got into the red area. Defensively, gave up too many explosive plays there um, at the end. Um, and then special teams, you know, kept providing momentum uh, for the other team with the returns that we had. So um, our standard doesn't change when we win or when we lose. It stays and remains the same. And, you know, obviously we got a bye week uh, looking at us this week to get some guys healthy back back out there, guys that we need, while also taking a look at all the things we do offensively, defensively, special teams, quality control it, uh, and get this thing back on track and back in rhythm. You know, this thing starts and ends with me as the leader. I've got to have our team prepared to, to go play. Uh, we, we don't make excuses. Uh, we did not play to our standard, and it's frustrating to watch because I still have a lot of faith and belief in this team. And as I just told them, you know, the adversity that we find ourselves in today, uh, we put ourselves there. So the only people that can get us out of it is us. And we'll use this next week uh, to just evaluate every part of our program like we would always do um, during a bye week. And then obviously, like I said, get some guys healthy um, in turn to get us ready to uh, go to Chicago and play Northwestern in a couple of weeks. Um, I still got a lot of faith in this team. Still a lot of football left to be played. All of our goals are still ahead of us, but we've made it a little more difficult for ourselves and we've got to do the work that's necessary to get us going back in the right direction. Well, you can always email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Michael King, who's a big Maryland fan, writes, Mike, so typical of Maryland football. If it ever wants people to seriously get behind the team and actually show up 
to home games. Beat Illinois at home when you are favored by 13. Beat Purdue at home last season. Stupid mistakes, turnovers, penalties, and bad coaching decisions continue to plague Maryland. Loxley is a great guy, a Maryland guy, but we are forever stuck at various levels of mediocrity with him. It never changes. Just venting, Al. Uh, Thank you for the email, Mike. I hear you, man. Uh, Mike Loxley has brought Maryland football back to respectability. He deserves credit for that. But if the Terps are ever going to be more than, say, a seven-win or an eight-win team, they need to start winning some of these games against ranked Big Ten teams. And the Terps need to avoid predictable letdown losses like what happened against Illinois on Saturday. Uh, Next up for Maryland is its bye. Uh, The Terps' next game is at North Western on Saturday, October 28th. So a bad homecoming for Maryland on Saturday, but a good homecoming for Virginia Tech on Saturday. The Hokies improved at 3-4 and four overall and 2-1 and one in the ACC with a 30-13 win over Wake Forest at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia on Saturday. This was the Hokies' homecoming game. They held a 10-7 lead in the second quarter. They then won the rest of the game 26 Uh, Hokies head coach Brent Pry went with the Baylor transfer, Kyron Drones, as the team's starting quarterback for a fifth consecutive game as the Hokies QB1. To begin the season, Grant Wells has been dealing with an ankle injury, and Drones was terrific as a passer. He went 20 of 29 for 321 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. He took just one sack. Uh, He did have 14 carries for just 62 yards when you take out the one sack that he took. And Drones did quarterback a Hokies offense that went just 3 of 12 on third downs. He wasn't perfect, but, you know, a line of 20 of 29 for 321 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions, and taking just one sack, that is one of the best statistical lines for a Hokies quarterback over the last few seasons. It really does feel like the Hokies have found something here offensively. The offense has started to get going. Uh, This was Brent Pry during his postgame press conference on Saturday evening on Kyron Drones. Yeah, I I think honestly he's understanding the offense a little better. I think the chemistry with he and Coach Bowen is better. You know, it's it's growing each and every week. Again, I saw, you know, I he just hasn't played a lot. You know, the, the, you're talking about his fourth start or something like that at the college level. I mean, he just he's, – he's, these guys get better as they play more, and particularly a quarterback. Um, I think uh, he made good decisions tonight and uh, managed the game, and he had his runs, and, you know, we, we needed to be able to throw the ball, and he did that. Uh, and he's got good people around him. I thought the O-line's protecting well, and, uh, you know, he's got a lot of lot – of, a lot of folks out there that can make plays, can get open and make plays with the ball. Yeah, like Hokies receiver and Middle Tennessee State transfer Jalen Lane, who in this win over Wake Forest had three receptions for 102 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, the Hokies won despite the rushing offense not being that good. Uh, running back Bashal Tootin had 13 carries for just 30 yards, although one of the carries was a second quarter first and goal, three-yard shotgun read option touchdown run. Uh, Tootin, as a pass catcher, had four receptions for 47 yards, uh, but also a third quarter loss fumble. Uh, running back Malachi Thomas had six carries for 35 yards, but 16 of the yards came on one run. But Tech's defense was great. 
Uh, Tech held Wake Forest offense to no touchdowns. Wake's only touchdown in the game came on a second quarter 96-yard kickoff return for a touchdown by running back Damon Claiborne, who is from Virginia Tech territory. Uh, Claiborne went to King William High School in King William, Virginia. Uh, but Tech held Wake to just 374 yards per play. The porous Tech run defense was not a problem in this game, and Tech held Wake to just 3 of 14 on third downs, and Tech totaled seven sacks. Tech defensive lineman Antoine Powell Ryland Jr., a monster game. Four sacks, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. The four sacks are tied for the most sacks in a game in Virginia Tech football history. Uh, he became the first Hokies player with at least four sacks in a game since Hokies assistant head coach and defensive line coach J.C. Price had four sacks in a 13-7 home win over then number 17 Miami on September 23rd. 1995. Really good game for Tech's defense, which is getting healthier. Uh, Tech safety Jalen Jones returned from a two-game absence caused by injury. Uh, this was off safety Nasir Peoples in Tech's previous game, the 39-17 loss at then number five Florida State on October 7th, returning from a four-game absence caused by injury. Next up for Virginia Tech is a bye. The Hokies' next game is a Thursday nighter home to Syracuse on Thursday night, October 26th at 7.30. Well, Navy on Saturday was the homecoming opponent for Charlotte, and the midshipmen ruined homecoming for Charlotte. The mids improved to 3-3 three and three overall and 2-2 two and two in the American Athletic Conference with a 14-0 win at Charlotte on Saturday afternoon. The game was scoreless at the half, but Navy won the second half 14-0. Navy's defense was great. It held Charlotte to no points, just 3.9 yards per play and just three of 16 on third downs and totaled four sacks, two interceptions and a forced fumble that the mids recovered. Uh, Navy head coach Brian Newberry went with Ty Lovatai as the mid-starting quarterback as Blake Horvath was out with a thumb injury that he suffered in the mid's previous game, the uh, 27-24 win over North Texas at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland on October 7th. But Lovatai got hurt. He and this win at Charlotte got hurt. And so true freshman Braxton Woodson came off the bench. Uh, Woodson was mixed. He completed just five of his 14 pass attempts and took two sacks. But one of Woodson's five completions was a great touchdown pass. A third quarter, third and 14, 69-yard shotgun touchdown pass to slot back Eli Heidenreich on a tight window throw that traveled about 25 air yards. So Woodson had 16 carries for 68 yards when you take out the two sacks that he took. Here was Brian Newberry during his postgame session with reporters on Saturday on Braxton Woodson's touchdown pass to Eli Heidenreich. Well, Eli's been exceptional at wide out all year. Uh, he's got behind the coverage a lot. We just haven't been able to get the ball to him. Uh, it was a great catch, a really good throw. I've been telling everybody to listen that Braxton's got a live arm and can make some really good throws. Got to see things a little bit better, obviously. And uh, think about that, going into that game as a freshman. That's, yeah. that's a big platform. It's a lot of pressure, and, uh, but I thought he handled it well once he settled down. Navy's other touchdown in this win at Charlotte came from fullback Alex Tesca. He had just six carries, but they went for 75 yards and a touchdown as he had a fourth quarter first and 15, 62-yard under center handoff option touchdown run. Alex Tesca for this season is number one among all qualified players in the FBS in yards per carry, 8.11. 
Uh, Navy won this game despite totaling just uh, 265 total net yards of offense, the exact same as Charlotte had. Uh, Navy won the game despite going just 3 of 15 on third downs, and Navy won the game despite having six accepted penalties for 40 yards. The mids are committing penalties this season. We're not used to seeing that. Navy traditionally has been one of the most disciplined teams in the FBS, but a salute to Navy punter Riley Reithman. Uh, He had a big game. He totaled 11 punts for 509 yards. (laughs) He averaged 46.3 yards per punt. He placed four punts inside a 20-yard line. Uh, Next up for Navy, home to Air Force this Saturday at noon. Air Force is number 22 in the Associated Press Top 25 poll that came out on Sunday. And also on Saturday, a dominant win for James Madison, the Dukes, they improved to 6-0 overall and 3-0 in the Sunbelt Conference with a 41-13 blowout of Georgia Southern at Bridgeforth Stadium in Harrisonburg, Virginia. JMU averaged 7.11 yards per play. The Dukes quarterback, Jordan McLeod, 20-31 of 31 for 259 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. He took just one sack. He had three carries for 22 yards when you take out the sack that he took. Jordan McLeod for this season is number 29 among all qualified quarterbacks in the FBS in total QBR per ESPN, 73.3 QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. It's interesting with the total QBR rankings, Liberty quarterback Caden Salter is number 25, 74.4, and Maryland quarterback Talia Tungavailoa is number 26, 74.4, and JMU quarterback Jordan McLeod is number 29, 73.3. Quick turnaround for the Dukes. Uh, Next up for James Madison at Marshall this Thursday night at 7. And JMU is first among others receiving votes for the Associated Press Top 25 poll that came out on Sunday. So the Dukes essentially are the number 26 team in the FBS. Good to see James Madison having the season that the Dukes are having. Good to see Virginia Tech and Navy getting on track. And even Maryland overall still is having a good season. If you are looking for tickets to a college football game or a Commanders game or a Capitals game or a Wizards game, uh, download the Game Time app and use the promo code ALGALDI. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the way to go is with the Game Time app. Game Time offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee. So you no longer have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. The Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price, and if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about Game Time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. Uh, I was just on Game Time looking at tickets for Commander's Games in the 2023 regular season. A lot of good deals, and the seating chart next to the listed tickets made figuring out what exactly I'd be getting super easy. Game Time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country. Game Time is the app for last minute ticket deals. You don't have to plan months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game Time also offers flash deals on tickets, and tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. 
Get the tickets without the stress with Game Time, which is offering a special deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use this promo code, Al Galdi. You use that promo code, Al Galdi, you get $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms do apply, but download the Game Time app, create that account, and use the promo code, Al Galdi, for $20 off your first purchase. What time is it? It's game time. Download the Game Time app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Well, the second game of the Capitals' 2023-2024 regular season is on Monday night, home to the Calgary Flames at 7. Let us hope that this second game goes better than the first game. Uh, The Caps began their 2023-2024 regular season with a 4-0 loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins at Capital One Arena on Friday night. A blowout loss for the Caps to their arch rival at home in their first regular season game with Spencer Carberry as head coach. Uh, Not exactly ideal. Uh, This was the Caps' first shutout loss in 49 all-time regular season openers. Uh, The game actually was scoreless at the end of the first period, but the Caps then allowed the Penguins to score three second period goals. And the three second period goals by the Penguins came from two all-time nemeses for the Caps, Penn center Sidney Crosby, who scored two second period power play goals, and Penn center Evgeny Malkin, who scored a second period even strength goal. And how about this? The Penguins with this win improved to 103-10-5. All-time in regular season games in which Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin each score at least one goal. <laughs> that is ridiculous, man. 103-10-5 all time. Uh, I'm not going to overreact to one game for our caps. Uh, the NHL regular season is so long, okay? So many things can and will change between now and the end of this caps regular season. But look, what the caps are trying to do, retool in order to avoid having to rebuild may not work. And if it doesn't work, we will perhaps look back on this game as a sign that the uh, retool was not going to work. But again, just one game, can't go too crazy with it. And this was a game with a very unfortunate circumstance for the Caps. They had to start their backup goaltender. Uh, The Caps' number one goaltender, Darcy Kemper, did not play in the game due to his wife giving birth to their first child. And so the Caps on Friday afternoon announced having recalled goaltender Clay Stevenson from their AHL affiliate, the Hershey Bears, and having loaned forward Alexi Protus to Hershey. Too bad for Protus, who had earned being with the Caps for their regular season opener, but he already is back. The Caps on Saturday afternoon announced having recalled Protus from Hershey and having loaned Stevenson to Hershey. And so Charlie Lindgren was the Caps' starting goaltender on Friday night. He stopped just 31 of the 35 shots on goal that he faced, although two of the goals that he allowed were those power play goals by Sidney Crosby, and you don't usually fault a goaltender too much for giving up a power play goal. Uh, Lindgren wasn't great, but he overall wasn't bad. Uh, this was Spencer Carberry during his post-game press conference on Friday night on Charlie Lindgren. And then take a listen to what Carberry says about the game overall. Yeah, I, I honestly thought he was really good. We put him in a tough spot. Um, wasn't slated to play today, but um, just didn't help him. Didn't help him, and that's disappointing. Pro- yeah, it's just, it's probably, if, if you chalk it up, it's it's the worst scripted start we possibly could have had um, in terms of just being disappointed. Home ice, 
um, trying to generate some momentum from a season standpoint and and um, that certainly did not happen so when you're when you're trying to evaluate the game as a whole I know there's some some things inside of it that we'll look at and uh, probably are could say we did some good things from ozone possession time shot attempts controlled entries all that stuff but um, when you look at the whole body of work probably as disappointing as you could have scripted so how about that from Spencer Carberry, quote, it's the worst scripted start we possibly could have had, <laughs> end quote. Uh, two big problems for the Caps on Friday night, bad special teams and a lack of offensive chances. Uh, the Caps went just one of three on the penalty kill and 0 of three on the power play. And the Caps totaled just 19 shots on goal to the Penguins, 35. The Caps generated way too little offense. The Caps, per natural stat trick, had just 41 five-on-five shot attempts to the Penguins' 57, including just four five-on-five high-danger shot attempts to the Penguins' 10. Uh, This was Spencer Carberry during his post-game press conference on Friday night on the Caps' lack of offensive chances. Yeah, not not enough inside, not enough to perimeter at times, for sure, without question. Um, And that's easy to defend, right? And, And you saw in a couple of those extended shifts, Pitt just sits inside and says, We'll let you do whatever you want on the outside, but uh, you're not going to come into the scoring area. And, and unless you're willing to, A, you've got to get people and bodies inside there. And then the second part of that is, is you got to deliver and you got to find ways to get shots through and deliver. And, and that's obviously their game plan. They threw um, a ton of pucks at our net and we didn't generate enough um, at theirs. No, you did not. If you're curious about the Caps' lines on Friday night, the lineys, as the team (laughs) likes to say, well, Spencer Carberry was mixing up his lines as the game went on, but in terms of the lines to begin the game, uh, the top line was the throwback line of sorts. Alex Ovechkin at left wing, Nicholas Backstrom at center, and TJ Oshie at right wing. Uh, The second line was Connor McMichael at left wing, Evgeny Kuznetsov at center, and Tom Wilson at right wing. McMichael had a good training camp in preseason, would be great to see him this season prove himself as a top six forward. The Caps took McMichael with the number 25 overall pick in the 2019 NHL draft. When we talk about this Caps retool, uh, if the retool is going to work, a guy like Connor McMichael, you would think, has to prove to be a hit. Uh, the third line was Sonny Milano at left wing, Dylan Strom at center, and Matthew Phillips at right wing. And the fourth line was Beck Malenstein at left wing, Nick Dowd at center, and Anthony Mantha at right wing. The top defense pairing was Rasmus Sandin and John Carlson. The number two defense pairing, Martin Fehervari and Trevor Van Riemsdyk. And the number three defense pairing, Lucas Johansson and Nick Jensen. And so we are off and running with the Caps 2023 2024 regular season. Uh, but yeah, not a good start. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 679. We'll have plenty for you on the commanders as we on Monday expect to have the Day after the game press conference of head coach Rod Rivera off his team, improving to 3-3 three and three in this 2023 NFL regular season with a 24-16 win at the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday afternoon. Also on Tuesday's show, we'll talk Capitals. The Caps are home to the Calgary Flames Monday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday.
Again, like I said at halftime, guys, that was family. That was a family win. We talked about the things that everybody needed to do. Offense, defense, special teams. Those are the details that we talked about. All three phases got to contribute. All three phases got to give us the opportunity to win a football game. Guys got to understand one thing. There are no perfect moments. They're just moments. You make those moments perfect. Okay, that's what happens. They're just opportunities, as Coach Rock said. Opportunities. When you take advantage of opportunities, you win football games. That's simple. Just got to remember a couple things. Y'all did your job, but you got to pay attention to details. We were not detail-oriented today. We got to be detail-oriented. You want to be a great team? Details. Little things add up. Little things become big things. Big things become great things. You become champions. That's how it happens. That's just the way life is, guys. That's the process. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.